Intensely Inquisitive, the podcast that searches for answers to life's big and not-so-big questions from the people qualified to give them with your host, Orion Kelly. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to Intensely Inquisitive. I'm Orion Kelly. It means a lot for you to join me on this podcast, and at the core of the podcast is a desire to understand things on a deeper level, to know more and to ask why. My purpose is to empower you with knowledge, education, and growth opportunities through open, honest, and inquisitive conversations. In this episode, we explore the topic of fad diets and ask the question, do fad diets really work and are they good for you? My guest, Vanessa Drew, is an accredited, qualified sports dietitian from Discover Health in Eltham, Victoria. Vanessa specializes in sports nutrition eating disorders, food allergies, and optimizing overall nutrition. Vanessa, thanks for joining me. No worries. Thanks, Aaron. Now, I've got a heap of questions here, so we'll, we'll, we'll start at the start. Sure. Um, because there is a, there, as you know, there is a fad diet that has captured my attention, known as intermittent fasting, and I can't wait to hear your thoughts on it. But before we, we get into all that, and you, mm-hmm. I'd love if you could just share your professional story with us. Just tell us a bit about you, what you do, where you work, how you come about. Yeah, doing absolutely. what you do. At the moment, I'm working two days in private practice, and then I also work at uni, so tertiary education, just in sports nutrition. So yeah. how that came about, uh, I was interested, I guess, watching my mum with celiac disease and how food can affect health, and I headed into the realm of nutrition for therapy. The things that you kind of specialise in, things like, as you say, sports nutrition, and clearly, you know, you, you, you work in, in the tertiary field and also private practice. Mm. You talked about so you talked about a, a celiac history in your family. Um, so, when when I, if I would say you know what why out of all the jobs on the planet why what's the driving force the passion or the purpose inside you that made you take on this field? Is there more to it? Because I know you specialise in eating disorders as well. I don't know yeah. if that came from friends when you're growing up or how that you know that groups or sports. Yeah. So tell us a bit about mm. the, the the purpose inside you. Why you do what you do? Yes, that's a good question because you hope that you're passionate about what you do. I have a dancing background so I did calisthenics for a good 19 years and I also had a lot of close friends in ballet and I could see I had some very close to me with eating disorders and I had a very good um, upbringing and good representation I guess from my mum about a healthy relationship with food and there was no issues there but I could see how others had those kind of problems with food and I just had a heart for it and I really wanted to see people be the best they could be and to nourish themselves in a way that they could be the best and they could reach their potential and not be held back by a negative relationship with their body and with food. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. So when you learnt, because obviously you, you had no idea what you do when you mm. decided you wanted to do it. It's like, mm. you know, a doctor doesn't know how to be a doctor before they become. But so, you don't. So what, do you, what did you learn from what you thought you'd do to what you actually do? And what do you actually do? What, what, if I come and see a dietitian at Discover Health, what do, what do you do? It would depend on who you see. <laughs> we all specialise in different Because sometimes people think, well, they just tell you what to eat. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a common conception too, if that's, okay. if that's even the right word for it, that we're the food police and all those kind of yeah. labels we get. But it's very different. I see it as walking with, with someone on their journey to getting their health as best that they can and their, 
their food in a place where it's really optimizing their health. I know that sounds a bit cheesy, it seems. Um, but I went into it and I actually nearly left because my placements were very clinical and it wasn't very relational. And it was really at my final year at uni, I landed a placement on an eating disorder ward and it just clicked. I was like, this is where I need to be. Okay. So that's when that's when you re- your, your purpose presented itself mm. in, in the end. It took five years of study to get to right at the end and yeah. go, because I knew sports was in there, but you need to be out a few years before you can specialize in sports. Yep. So I was like, what am I going to do in this space initially? Allergies, yes, because I had that family association, knowing that food can affect health in terms of food allergies and intolerances. But that's how I first landed in eating disorders, and I haven't moved from there. Okay. So it's interesting because you know when we talk about um, fad diets, mm. we obviously talk about, in the end, really uh, how we view how we look to the world and how we can address that. And from your point of view, do you feel, and certainly with, with um, you know, your specialties and things like eating disorders, do you feel like there is one ideal body shape and weight for everyone in a kind of cookie cutter mm. setup? I think society wants to convince us of that so that then everyone feels inadequate and that they have to try to be that. Yeah. But I think we all come in different shapes and sizes and we need to celebrate that diversity and embrace it. Uh, and unfortunately, it's not where society's heading. We're trying to shift it away from that. So we, we've established that really everyone is an individual. We have individual bodies. Mm-hmm. We have individual intolerances. And yes. there's things we, we like, there's things we don't like, there's yep. things we eat, there's things we don't eat. And it really is a lottery. For example, you know, my wife has celiacs. I don't. Yes. Uh, and then, you know, we have a son and the, it's, it's a lottery. Sure is. It's a lot. It's a lottery. I mean, there <laughs> yeah. are tests. There are blood tests and genetic tests you can get done. Yes. But it's truly amazing that we can all be so individual as as creatures. Yes. But then you can go to a dietitian, and you mm-hmm. can you know can be told this is what you should do, and do this is what you shouldn't do, or you can take on a diet that is a diet not tailored. A diet is a fad diet, in my opinion, mm. isn't necessarily individually tailored. It's okay. So here's how a fad diet works, right? Eat lemons for a month. I mean, you know, that's in effect. Yeah. So it's really interesting. So from your point of view, I'm really interested because we are going to dissect, you know, the world of fad diets. But I'd love you to explain in simple terms, you know, what is a diet, and and what is the purpose of a diet? I think diet is a tricky term in itself because it has two meanings. Okay. The first one will be just diet, what you habitually eat. So you have a diet, I have a diet. It's what our food intake looks like. Yeah, okay. So that would be one understanding of the word diet. The other would be a diet, which is a restriction you put on yourself for some reason, whether it be medical, whether it be completely unnecessary or because your best friend did it. So there's those two separate kind of understandings of the word. So everyone has their own diet that they're on, which it's their personal food intake. Okay. Then there's... Therapeutic diets, which yep. is diets we go on for a medical condition, like we go on a gluten-free diet for celiacs, and then there's fad diets. Yeah, with regards to the point two, or you know, the the other type of diet, as opposed to you know, my diet is you know whatever I eat today. Yes. What is the purpose of it? Because layman would say yep. lose weight. That's it. Full stop. No more other options. Yes. And if I was to break it down, the therapeutic diet is is designed to improve your health in whatever reason. Okay. So that there's. Therapeutic diets, which are different to fad diets. Yep, yep. So fad diets aren't necessarily going to improve health. Usually they do the opposite. So that you, if you've got diets like the gluten-free for celiacs, so egg-free for an egg allergy, peanut, yep, yep. those, their idea is that they're going to improve your health and um, improve your quality of life. 
A fad diet doesn't promise health. Well, it may, but it's promising weight loss at the expense of health. That really is my next question. Is there a difference between a diet and a fad diet? Well, this this is what you're you're basically trying to highlight that the in I guess, and you can you can kind of elaborate. But in general terms, the difference between a diet and a fad diet, from what I'm learning from what you're saying, is is a diet is is a therapeutic. It's it's tailored therapeutic approach to achieve a goal specific to you as a person. For example, um, you know why. Why do I feel um, gassy or bellyachy? And you go, well, maybe you need to go on a FODMAP diet, yes. right? Yes. Um, which I do. I pretty much try to do. Um, <laughs> and it's, it works. Great. Um, though, you know, you, when you can't have gluten and now you can't have onions, tomatoes, garlic, you can't eat anything. Uh, but, <laughs> get tricky. but with regards to, so that, that's that, we get that. And that makes yeah. total sense to me. It's therapeutic. There's a reason. This is your, this is your reason. Mm-hmm. Here's how, and you go, here's how I help you fix that problem. Yes. Um, so that makes that makes total sense to me. But with regards to a fad diet, mm. um, the difference between a diet and a fad diet, are you saying is, simply put, weight loss? Therapeutic approach, weight loss? Generally, yes. Because fad diets, they sell weight loss. And usually quick and simple with a nice little catchphrase and someone to endorse it. So there's a bit of a formula there that all the fad diets tend to follow. And okay. back when I was studying, say, what, a fair few years ago now, there was around 30 fad diets out at the time. Wow. So we could get our head around them. But the count now, it's massive. Okay. So, yeah, well, then we've got time. Uh, <laughs> we'll work through them. Aside from intermittent fasting, yes. which we're going to go into in a moment, would you mind, I'm not saying all of them, <laughs> would you mind kind of talking to us a bit about what you would class as kind of the biggest fad diets, to, aside from the fasting one, the biggest fad diets today? I, I genuinely think fad diets is one of the most interesting topics because everyone thinks they've found one that works for them or they're interested in it. So how many, you've said there's hundreds out there. Tell yes. us a bit about the big boys. They, they come and go. They all have their little peak and they come off them. Okay. So we're coming off the peak of paleo, you might have heard. Um, clean eating is pretty strong at the moment. So what's that? Clean eating. It's, well, look, see, I see clean eating is not eating off the floor and washing your vegetables. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but the clean eating idea is that you only eat foods that haven't been processed or they have no additives or anything added to them and it can be very hierarchy and morally, it's got a lot of um, moral connotations to it. So that's one yeah. at the moment, but it's restrictive in nature. You've got um, ketogenic, that's pretty So high. this is massive at the moment. Tini, tell me a bit about mm. this. What is this? The ketogenic yeah, diet? What is it? What does that mean? It's surprisingly... It did actually start as a therapeutic diet for epilepsy back in the early 1900s. So when um, people didn't respond to medication, they could go on a ketogenic diet and did actually reduce the severity and duration of uh, seizures. Wow. So now we've got a few more better medications. It's not really used that way anymore. But because your body dehydrates and you lose weight really quickly when you go ketogenic, it's popular again because of the weight side of things. So so if I was... was being told how to do it is, mm. is it what would I be told is it what I is it a certain thing that I have to eat or is it how I eat or what's the kind of nutshell of, of that the ketogenic yeah, diet? Yeah. the idea behind the ketogenic diet is that you become ketotic so you, okay. you start burning fat instead of carbohydrate okay so you have to reduce your intake of carbohydrate very severely to yeah. very low levels so then your body has no other option to help you function than to convert body fat oh yes. sorry dietary okay. fat into energy so a lot of fish, those those type of things, I guess, what they say. Is that what they're kind of talking about? You they eat like 700 grams of salmon a day or something. <laughs> <laughs> and lots of meat, then yes. And yeah. it's interesting because we'll get to this soon, but um, that's actually one of the selling points of intermittent fasting uh, from what I've heard. So, mm. Okay, interesting. All right. Well, I would um, actually love to 
delve into this topic. This is really the the big kind of meaty topic. It's really, um, I think, probably the one of the biggest fad diets I've heard of anyone talking about today. Uh, I could be wrong. You'd know better than me, but certainly in you know, social media, those types of types of things. So, intermittent fasting. Can you please just explain? what it is and and how it works um it depends there's a lot of different styles of intermittent fasting out there yeah okay so you've got the five two you might have heard of you've got alternate day fasting which is one day on one day off you've got three twos you've got time restriction fasting where you can't eat between you know nine and five and you can eat outside of that yeah so there's no i guess one formula for what it actually is the ones that have been studied and there's um been human trials in are the alternate day fasting and a mm-hmm. bit on the 5-2. So what's the 5-2? So 5-2, the idea is you eat whatever you like for five days and then for two days you go on a calorie restriction, which is a pretty significant calorie restriction, about a quarter to a fifth of your daily intake Wow. of food. Okay, so it's free range. Free range for five days Okay. and then two days of restriction. And within that, depending which diet you're reading, whoever's written it might say you have to be low carb in that, you might have to be low Okay. Depending. So, and are the two days borderline fasting? It depends what you call fasting because some people say ca- fasting is nothing. Low calories eating. Yeah. I mean, you, I'm assuming you can't eat a lot if you can only have so many calories in a day. Yes. So, yeah, okay. It's not enough really to get out of bed. So, okay. you wouldn't push your body for a second in the day because okay. you're not giving it fuel to do. So, we can't have athletes, for instance, doing it on the weekend. Um, they won't get through training. They won't get through a game. So, you'll achieve the result of doing for example, the five-two, you know, diet. But the the issue is, you'll achieve the goals of that, but you mm. won't achieve the goals of life because yes. in the two days when you're achieving the goals of the diet, you're failing the goals of life, as in what your body needs to function properly. Okay, yes. so that yes. that makes that makes sense. Now, this is this is from just my own experience as intermittent fasting. It's it's kind of it's being purported to do things. Ironically, we've just talked about to increase energy, yes, to aid in weight loss, to even and this is a big one to even reverse conditions like type 2 diabetes to, in effect, you know, kill diseases. I've also <laughs> heard people link it to, and you'll have to explain this to me, your body becoming fat adapted mm-hmm. and promoting ketosis. So, yes. Now, we've got time. I'll, let's, we, I want you to break these down if sure. they're right, if they're not, um, you know, what, you, what you're kind of aware of. So we'll, we'll, let's start at the start. So it, that's contradictory. What I've heard and what I've read is, in effect, contradictory to you. Intermittent fasting is purported to increase energy. So when you mm. when you eat for no more than four to six hours a day, you will your energy will increase. Yes. How do you get energy by not intaking energy? Which is an interesting concept in itself. And this well, this is this is exactly why we're having this mm. conversation. This is to give people the education to help. Yeah, yeah. So from your point of view, yes. When you hear people say the benefits of intermittent fasting is increasing energy, your answer to that is well, no. There's nothing to show that anyone's had increased energy on it in the research. Okay. So it would be, what are they actually experiencing? I'd be looking at what were they actually eating? What was happening in that space? Yep. What were they doing? There's just so many unknowns there. You, I would take that as a grain of salt. Okay. Now, the other thing, you've we talked about this before, so it's weight loss. Now, mm. I want you to broaden out, but what you told me before was, sure, you might lose weight the first time, but the second time you continue to do this, your body adapts yep. and it, get, it just works out what it needs to do to maintain life and you won't lose weight or you might put on weight. So intermittent fasting aids in weight loss. Yes. Talk, talk to me about that. So like the majority of fad diets out there, you will lose weight initially. Absolutely. There's no question there. If you follow it, a calorie restriction initially, your body adjusts that way. 
of all the studies though that we know and that have been done on fad diets including intermittent fasting at the 12 month mark there's no difference in weight they gain so it's not sustainable and it doesn't lead to um, permanent weight loss of any kind i should say the government did a campaign gosh it must have been 2007 somewhere there about fad diets don't work and as right around the time there's a really big body of evidence that came out to show that ongoing yo-yo dieting is putting weight on people above their most healthy weight so they wanted to get the message out to the population that fad diets yo-yo dieting is seen to push your weight above where it genetically should be and they'd have i don't know if you ever saw them on buses and they're on uh, little postcards in health centers it would have a little catchphrase i was a size 12 then i was a size 10 now i'm a size 14 thanks fad diet as the catchphrase okay and they were trying to get that idea out that every time you go on a calorie restriction that's quite large you'll drop down but then you might not rebound you might not go back down. to where you yeah yeah yeah, yeah but it's, it's where you risk. started from yeah. there's a risk associated yeah, with yeah. Um, working against your body not for it yeah okay so that's that brings up an interesting point that is that everyone has an an ideal weight everyone is just this is them yeah and because the media says, well, that's great for you, mate, but you need to be this weight mm. or that weight, yes. um, you, can, you can do your best to get, for example, everyone wants to look like Wolverine, right? I mean, I want to look like Wolverine, yeah? Fair enough. Except with the wolf stuff. But yeah, you know, I want to look like Hugh Jackman, right? You tell me, who do you think is the one celebrity picture, topless celebrity picture that comes up every time you Google search intermittent fasting? You have a guess. I've mentioned it already. <laughs> it is, is It's it? Hugh Jackman. <laughs> By the way, you know. If, You've got to get a celebrity in on it. If, if, if Hugh Jackman is listening please feel free to to contact us you know just please that'd be great but let's assume he's got no relevance let's assume he's got no connection at all to this let's assume he potentially did some sort of fad diet while filming maybe he did that maybe he didn't maybe maybe he's just a healthy guy yeah who's worked out worked very hard to build up physique for a movie connecting him is ridiculous it's just that you know but but see that's the, that's the point happens, i'm though. the point i'm making is mm. they know mm. people want to look like that right Absolutely. the men want to look like that yep. and okay well, look look like that do this you know yeah. eat eat less you know and and i fall into the trap of thinking okay that's what i'll do as yeah. opposed to um i guess my point is do you think the most important thing is to accept this is me mm. i can't be hugh jackman wolverine body this is me this is my yeah. is that if, a, if that's what you'd point. tell me if i saw you practice wise and i told you is that really one of the kind of the observations you'd make that's one of the conversations we regularly have to have okay. is accepting genetically who you are what you've been given i mean we don't argue too much with our height we're a certain height we don't you know spend the next our whole adult life trying to be 10 centimeters taller or shorter we go that's my height yeah. i'll accept it that's let's right. move on that's right and our, our weight we fight that for some reason and a big part of that is because yes society puts pressure on us to do it to do that and that we should be a particular way and some of us genetically just can't be what Society is portrayed as the, the one-size-fits-all body shape. Intermittent fasting reverses conditions like type 2 diabetes and diseases. Mm. I mean, You've got to have some big claims whenever it comes to fad diets. It's, a bit, <laughs> <laughs> it's part of the formula. So you've got your celebrity, you've got your big claims, you've got your calorie restriction. Um, before and afters are another one that usually land in there nicely. Can it actually do that? No, it can't reverse it. It can't reverse type 2 diabetes. What, or... it, what we know about type 2 diabetes is that it does, and the research that has been done, that there are some therapeutic diets that can reduce the markers of type 2 diabetes. You, If you've been diagnosed with it, you have that susceptibility. Yeah. You can change how you eat to reduce your blood sugar levels and your long-standing blood sugar levels to yeah. allow you not to have to go on medication. That makes sense. Um, and so we have ways we can do that through diet. 
the intermittent fasting in the initial stages of it, because it does reduce calories, it then reduces the sugar that you might eat for those couple of days. Yep. So if you look at that over the week, yep. you're going to get some movement there potentially. But when they've compared it to everything, say the low GI and the Mediterranean diets, those ones come out still as the top two yeah, as okay. treatment for type 2 diabetes. So the idea of fasting to reverse conditions as opposed to therapeutically you know, taking on a therapeutic diet to reverse mm. conditions. I mean, they're two completely different things and, and one is proven to work. One's evidence-based, um, yeah, one's not. So I guess, you know, it's it's not rocket science that people would be told you should probably eat less chocolates and lollies and sugars and things, you know, in that in that environment. Like, for example, for me, this is, I'll give you a personal experience. I, I had to have a, a halter monitor. Yes. I had to wear it for 24 yeah. hours. Because um, I was feeling, I was getting these palpitations where basically what happens is I get these palpitations and it feels like uh, my heart's beating super fast, but I'm not doing any activity. It's like a resting moment. Mm. And I just feel horrible for like an hour. Anyway, they, they, they got the halter monitor back and they, they were saying, yeah, so you, now, every now and then you're having like an extra beat, more than you should have or something. Mm. And that's what's making you feel horrible. Yes. Um, and the first thing they said is, do you drink coffee? And I said, well, do I drink coffee? Are you? Are you, are you serious? I mean, yes, yes of course I do. I love coffee. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> it's the sixth food group. What are we talking uh, about? So, and, and now how many? I said, well, instant. I could probably have two instant coffees a day, maybe one real coffee, yeah, in the yes. middle. Yeah. That's, is that, I don't know if that's abnormal. Anyway, that's no, what it's pretty it, standard. They're like, you should have less. The first thing I thought in my head was, no, stop. <laughs> Stop saying that stuff to me. Because, you know, that, that might help with palpitations and things. Yes. But even as GP, that points already to, you know, mm. a therapeutic approach tailored to me. Maybe you should back off on caffeine. And yes. there's other things that have caffeine in them, obviously. Yes. Um, so from my point of view, with these types of conditions, I could look at, you know, maybe not having so much coffee and, you know, reducing stress and things to help with like palpitations. Or I could turn that whole heart-related issue around by taking on a super fad diet yes. which will just cure me and what would i choose i mean a normal person <laughs> so but from your point of view does that make sense the, the you know the the gp said something as simple as well just don't have so much coffee so does that make sense to you rather than reversing it with a, a fad diet yeah absolutely when people have a condition i guess they've got two options they've got the option of having something tailored to them specifically to hopefully improve their health or i guess play google nutrition Fad diets, we can put fad diets into that kind of, you know, Dr. Google box because mm. from, from your experience, you don't feel there's the kind of evidence-based research that has ever proven fad diets are effective long-term. Yeah. Is that kind of where you sit? Well, if they worked, how many would we need? Well, there's hundreds, right? Yeah. In, a, in effect, they're revenue streams. Yeah, they yeah. are. They are. They do all follow a very similar formula and it's about weight and it's about appearance. And a lot of them even have the disclaimer with healthy eating and exercise, this will work. And yeah, yeah. Which would work without the other part, yeah. Save um, yourself some cash. Is it rude of me to say, but they're great for university researchers to get funding, regular funding, to continue to work regularly to look into fad diets. If you if you search fad diets, the amount of high-end universities, American mm. and other high-end universities that have studied these diets without these diets there would be no studies so in a way they are there for a reason there's unfortunately i fear the the people who are who kind of come in contact with them don't get 
in touch with that type of level of research or understanding. Yeah. So yeah. shouldn't we expect more from the universities that study these types of things? Shouldn't we expect more from them with regards to beating the drum? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, they need they're getting too. the they're getting the money. They're yeah. looking into it. Some are saying, "Yeah, they actually could work. Don't work. Don't know." But no one seems to know that. Or do you think it, it's actually more of a funding issue? The message isn't getting out there about health over weight as a focus. Yep. Unfortunately, the weight over health is still the strongest focus. Well, there's a lot of research over the last really a century that has looked at what other ways of eating that help with our health and. Every 10 years, roughly, the Australian national body, they look at all the evidence to date and they check where they're at and then they release that as a statement saying this this style, this these rough guidelines, if you follow these, your body's going to get, give it its best chance, basically. Yeah. So that was done again in 2013. And to put that in perspective, they collate over 55,000 studies to get to those conclusions. Yeah. Fad diets a lot of time have one or two studies. That's right. Um, and then whether they're done well or very poorly done or if there's yeah. bias within that. And then they get a lot of airplay funded by whichever body has a invested interest, I guess. That's right, yeah. Well, you know, these days the number one broadcaster on the planet mm. in effect is Facebook. And really you can broadcast to the, the world at large in yeah. a second yeah. and then off she goes. Yes. Um, the other thing that I, I learned from potentially the kind of social media movement is um, this big thing about you will become fat adapted. Yeah. You will be fat adapted. I don't know what fat adapted means. It's fun to say, but <laughs> I don't think what anyone does. On it's God's name is fat adapted. I would I would <laughs> fasting it. leads to fat adapted. <laughs> I throw it into the made up words category. Um, fat adapted. You've heard of it? Yeah, yeah. It's one that's thrown around with keto diets with intermittent yeah. fasting. It's a it's a hot topic. It's like a hot word at the moment. Okay. Fat adapted. It can mean whatever you want it to mean, really. It doesn't have an actual definition in and of itself. From a credibility point of view, where does it sit? What? Oh, it doesn't. But what it, okay. I, I think it's implying is that your body's burning more fat. Okay. And the assumption, though, is that it's burning more adipose, more body fat, instead of more dietary fat, which is just what you're eating. Yeah. So when people think the body's burning fat and they're, they're desperate for weight loss, they it's very easy to make the connection that, oh, I'm fat adapted or I'm burning fat. That's my, that's the fat within my cells, not, yeah. not just the, the fat from the food that's been Yeah. Eaten. Okay, that makes sense. So what you're discovering is from your point of view, fad diets over, over the long term, do they in fact work? And what impact do you feel, actual impact can fad diets have on a person over over the long term and also you know what kind of impact does it have on the pressure the mental mm. pressure the person's taking on to look a certain way is, is there a genuine impact that uh, you know fad yeah. diets can have over the long term physically and also mentally oh, do you have another couple of hours that's a that's a gold mine that plenty one. of time <laughs> <laughs> um initially it's very demoralizing because they're usually very very restrictive they're hard to do and you have to work against your body and there's only so long you can push your body and not give it what it needs. So there's only so long you can fight sleep or if you need to go to the toilet, there's only so long you can hold that off till you have to give up and then let you know, go with your body's requirements. So a lot of the time then the blame is on you. People blame themselves. I just couldn't do it. Whereas actually the diet's fault. It wasn't appropriate in the first place. So that brings on a whole world of psychological issues for some. Others, it can be a bit more water off a duck's back, but uh, I see over and over just that demoralization. Oh, I couldn't do it. I'm no good. I couldn't stick to it, that feeling. Yeah. 
physically there's depending on the particular diet some are some are dangerous i've had a number of people faint at the clinic and we've had to take them to hospital because they've come in such a malnourished state or a dehydrated state from the fad that they're following at the time wow okay so most common ones with ketosis because ketosis or the ketogenic diet for instance puts you in a state where uh, your liver your kidneys are having to work really hard okay bad breath constipation you get those kind of physical side effects that aren't spoken about so much really in effect from a you know from a kind of a credibility point of view you know a legitimate mainstream dietary point of view these types of diets they capture the imagination more than anything you could ever recommend does because you, what you're recommending is a professional you know evidence-based thing but it just isn't sexy no, it's and not. and as a result yeah it's 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 a there's a cost there's a there's a cost to the community yes yeah. is there do you think there's a cost to the community in in kind of the the use of these types of fad diets these kind of um you know they're, they're magic bullet diets is is there a cost to not just the person but the community yeah there absolutely is they sell hope um and they make it look easy and they and they sell all this happiness um unfortunately and like those that have to end up in hospital because of it or those who actually are getting sicknesses from the fact that they've malnourished their body there's that physical cost there's a psychological cost there's the we know that calorie restrictive diets impact on depression and they impact on mood and they impact on relationships so that has a cost on society too you were talking to me before um before we started you know doing our our little podcast here that there's Mm. something that's really sweeping the social media world by storm at the moment it's copying some serious Mm. backlash online and and certainly through the community you're you're a part of professionally sure can you quickly just tell us a bit about this so there's uh, my understanding is there's a there's a upcoming study Mm. amongst i guess a cohort of teenagers 13 to 17 i believe where it's it from what i can gather it's it's a form of intermittent fasting and it's a it's a study amongst local children i Mm. believe in sydney and melbourne and it's a legitimate funded study in legitimate funded public children's hospitals yes so we've just spent this whole time talking about why fad diets and intermittent fasting are bad and wrong yeah. when we have. Yeah. And, but now you're telling me there's a fully funded study going on where not adults, mm, children, kids, teenagers mm. are being not, by the way, they're not being forced, you know. So, no, so parents are signing up their kids, teenagers, to be a part of a study where they, in, in fact they are, my understanding, and please tell me, they're doing a form of a fad diet. Yes. So, can you tell us a bit about this study or what you, what you know about this, this study? And clearly you know about it because you've heard about the backlash. So Yeah, absolutely. And these are hospitals that, have, that are research-based hospitals too, which is part of why they're doing it. And they've got some really good research in a lot of areas. Which respected, is why, respected absolutely, hospitals. Absolutely, yeah. yeah Great are. hospitals, yeah. Mm-hmm. So to give you a bit of an idea, they're trying to see if alternate day fasting, so it's just a form of intermittent fasting, will help teenagers with their overall health. Okay. Um, but their focus is more on the weight loss side of things and a few chronic disease markers within that. And the backlash, I guess, that's coming out of that is why are we putting teenagers through this when we know it doesn't work in adults and we know the risk is even higher 
in playing around with an adolescence diet, particularly when you're going to restrict it. As you were saying, there's a couple of phases. And in fact, phase one, they're basically following a very low energy diet to, mm. to what they call jumpstart weight loss, involving meal replacements each day for four weeks. This is for teenagers, by the way. I'm, I don't yes. understand what's going on here. Yes. Meal replacements provided free of charge. Okay, who cares? Yeah. Phase two, participants are randomized to either a modified alternate day fasting dietary pattern, also mm-hmm. called the 4-3 plan, or a reduced calorie dietary plan. It's not possible for participants to choose the plan they follow. Okay, so basically they continue along the plan they've been given. They're given support from uh, from a dietitian, mm. and uh, so there's dietitians involved in this as well. Um, and it runs for twelve months. Uh, twelve months. Yeah. Now, it, it's interesting because there's I mean, you know there's there's obviously been statements and releases from the organisation, and there's a, when. This is this is a study. They're doing it. People are people are signing up for it. There's this. It is what it is. We you know they can do what they want to do. Mm. They've talked about how there's been some recent social media posts regarding the fast track to health study, and you know at all times the health and mental well being of those participating in the fast track to health study is our first priority. There's a massive kind of release where they're talking about it, but they're just trying to reassure people. Yeah. Okay. So from my point of view, there's a change.org petition. There's been some newspaper articles from the people on the side who are kind of against it their argument is well in effect we're starving kids for a study now there's healthcare professionals respected hospitals and dietitians conducting this study so what's what's your overall thoughts on it doesn't have to be this study but in general terms um mm. what's your overall thoughts on fasting teenagers or putting teenagers through this kind of diet well, can you imagine yourself when you're a teenager being mm. told you were only allowed to eat, say, a, a couple of things a day and then you're supposed to get on with your day? Drink a stars, shake or something. And yeah. how you would feel and how that would have you standing out from your peers. Mm. It's something we we definitely don't encourage, starving teenagers. And we've got a lot of other um, ways we can work with teenagers to help improve their health than telling them they have to deprive their body and go against their appetite and, and fit into another box we should be working individually with them to to again be the best they they can be we don't know their psychological background we don't know what they've been through we don't know so many things about these children in the the release too they were talking about the the study aims to compare different eating plans Mm. that have had success with adults and to assess their effectiveness with adolescents with severe obesity and it compares a continuous daily energy restriction versus an intermittent energy restriction both plans are nutritionally balanced to meet the needs of growing adolescence so there's also said there's no gold standard intervention that helps young people who seek weight management different interventions may work for different individuals and a you know a suite of evidence-based dietary patterns are needed and tested so choice can be offered i guess that being said in this particular study um mm. can i ask just from just because I, I don't know what's what's all the fuss about why is there a petition why is there a change.org a petition question. what's all the fuss about they're helping they're helping kids who potentially have a weight issue lose weight and finding doing a study using them to find what works. So, okay, so point one, the, the, the issue is they think that people think the study is starving children, yeah. is, you know, using children to starve them. Are we, mm. are, we using, are we using kids who already have a weight issue as guinea pigs to find out what does and doesn't work down the track? Or what's the fuss about? Because we've I just, guess, yeah, it, it, it seems... Very it, good question. <laughs> it seems like, so they're trying to help kids... And on the surface, it does really look like that, absolutely. Yeah. It's when it's those with the deeper knowledge, I guess, and that are at the cold front working in this space of um, people maybe in their bigger, in bigger bodies, for instance, and, and 
um, there's so many layers that come in with with that. But what I should, I guess, draw your attention to is we've we've done this kind of thing before in adults. So okay. there was a study done years ago in Minnesota, 50, possibly even 70 years ago, where they wanted to see the effects of starvation. And they put men similar, they starved them, they reduced their intake and then watched what that impact had on their bodies. Okay. And what these kids are on for their first month is even more, is less than what these men in the Minnesota study were put on. And we now have really excellent data from that study to show the psychological effects of restriction and also the physical effects of having a restriction that is that severe. And then to do that to teenagers. So we've got that data. So why are we not learning? Okay. So with regards to kind of what is the, what is the, the overall problem looking below looking you know kind of below the surface mm. it's i guess it's the means of doing it so here this is purely off the change.org petition which oh, yes. which I, so on change.org it's a say no to starving our teens stop the fast track trial it's a legitimate change.org petition it says for an entire month they'll be allowed just 800 calories a day after mm. that for an entire year the kids will be starved for three days of the week allowed only 600 to 700 calories a day now that i'm just reading off the yes off the petition and that's not my um, you know, I don't know if that's true or not, yes. but uh, let's just forget about the study specifically and talk in general terms, in yes. just in general terms, yeah, yeah. six, 700 calories a day for a teenager, healthy, not healthy, good, bad. What do you think? Well, they're growing. Teenagers is, we know that time when we're teenagers, we require the most energy because we're developing, we've got muscles growing, organs growing, the brain's going through a lot. So we don't want to be depriving our body at a time where it needs that nutrition the most. And so by then not giving the body what it needs, we can stunt growth, we can cause injuries, we can do a lot of damage by not giving a teenager what they actually need. Okay, so as you said before, you know, therapeutic approaches. Okay, so we've got, we've got teenager A. Teenager A um, mm. has a weight issue. Yes. Okay. Teenager A has a weight issue and uh, teenager B doesn't. Okay, sure. so teenager B, keep doing your thing. Teenager A, let's help you. Uh, yeah. If if you feel like you're not an ideal weight, let's help you. Yes. And you would come up with things to help teenager A. Yes. What I can kind of see, um, potentially the difference is that there seems like there could be a study where they're going to get a group of teenager A's, mm. a group of teenagers who don't who have a, a weight they're issue, in bigger bodies, absolutely. And they're going to put them through one way, mm-hmm. right? They've got feedback and advice and support but in effect this is the way this is the way everyone's going to do it different people different backgrounds different genetics different weights starving is a great word to get attention online let's just say fasting Um, so you know these teenagers this type of teenager is going to be fasting Mm. rather than a therapeutic approach Um, am i right in thinking as if there's there's a very big difference between the therapeutic approach you would give teenager a and the approach the study's taking for the group of you know let's say teenager a is that fair to say yeah, absolutely. What would be the therapeutic approach usually for you know a, a teenager who already has enough issues in their life getting through life as a teenager? Got a lot to do with um, that stage. Is it as simple as let's look at what you eat, let's look at how you eat? Is it is it's not about okay, I will help you, teenager, a look good for mm. your deb or whatever. You yeah. will starve for the next three days. Okay, yeah. see you. Like that's not something you would clearly yeah. do. <laughs> <laughs> no, not if we want to be ethical. Yeah. So, <laughs> w- you- what is this? What is the, the kind of approach that would help? someone in that, in that position or parents with a teenager in that position. Yeah. We want to keep the focus on health and being physical and mental health, not just yeah. weight. And there's assumption that if someone is in a larger body that they're automatically unhealthy. So first of all, that has to be looked at. Yeah. Because health does come in a variety of sizes. And you can look what 
society thinks is, you know, the picture of health and be very, very unwell. And because that's hidden from the eye, then that's not seen. So if we're getting someone in in a larger body, first question we have to ask is, are they healthy? What's going on there? Do they, if they do have something that has to be addressed health wise, absolutely. We have to look at if not, let's work on their relationship with their body and with food and yes. set them free in that space where they can just enjoy and be who they are. Ideal weight is different. It's just a person is a person is a person. Finally, what do you believe in your profession that, that it's taught you is the most effective way for you know a person to improve their health and, and to stay healthy? Yeah. A big one is you've got to make peace with yourself. Okay. And so it's, it's a mental thing. It's part of it, absolutely. We can't deny that our relationship with food doesn't have a mental impact. Yeah. There's food for nourishment. There's foods for enjoyment. Um, if we bring moral stances into food, so guilt and, you know, there's good and bad foods and start to label things, we start to put prejudice in there. So yeah. I've kind of <laughs> gone away from what your question No, is. no, no. I see what you're saying. If I've, you know, let's say I've had a bad day. Do we have any chocolate in the house? Seriously, is there, is there any chocolate in the house? I'll have cooking chocolate. Just get the cooking chocolate. You know, <laughs> if, it's the only if one I, available. If I've had a great day and I'm feeling energetic, I'm like, do we have any dipping crackers? Yes. I don't know I'm saying it. I want to have dipping crackers on a or yogurt. Yogurt, you know, or I want to have a block of chocolate, right? So I can see where you're coming from, and that makes total sense. We, you know, it's a mental thing, but and I think what I've learned from what you're saying today too is you really have to you you just you just have to accept this is me. Yes, everything about you, every little every little gene, everything inside you. This is your weight, is your body. I I can try to bulk up, I can try to lose weight, but it doesn't matter. I could spend six months bulking up, and then I'll lose I'll lose the ten kilos eventually. Mm. And I'll be back to where I was. I mean, that's in effect. Yeah, absolutely. You don't have to love it. You just have to accept it. For people listening, some easy tips just to to have a healthy lifestyle. Maybe they haven't. From your point of view, what are some simple simple things? Clearly, it's about looking at what you what you eat and how you eat. What would you say is some simple tips and kind of maintaining a healthy lifestyle? Or someone listening, starting yeah. it, starting it's afresh. Funny. First thing I'd say is do steer clear of the fad diets because, and I guess why everyone is up in arms about it is because it does have that negative effect on your relationship with food and it kind of distorts things we got to get back to basics which is um, connecting with our body understanding our appetite understanding how that works understanding what foods we do and don't like knowing when our body's satisfied we have to learn that stuff about ourselves and a diet tells us we're not allowed to listen to our body you eat at these times and you you have this much whether you're hungry or whether you're not whether you're exercising or not so we have to connect back with how our body functions, but you have to marry that in with a bit of common sense around food that, you know, maybe I don't feel hungry first thing in the morning, but it's wise to have breakfast. Yes. And that's where, that's what I learned from you too. So from my point of view, I thought, okay, so in intermittent fasting, they say, you know, kind of the six hour window you can eat, right? Let's say it's one o'clock till seven o'clock or something Mm. after that naughty, naughty, naughty. Um, But what you're saying is, you know what, eat when your body tells you to eat. Is that correct? Yeah. It's a stupid question and I promise it's the last one. But seriously, how can I hear the difference? Like, so I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I Can I say, I think I'm from a family of grazers. Does that make sense to you? Mm-hmm. I graze. Yeah. Okay. I graze. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't eat the biggest meal. I don't, I don't finish my meal the quickest. Yes. I graze. Yeah. So. That's you. I don't think I'm very good at knowing when my body wants me to eat. How can I listen to my body better? How, how do I know? Because what I'm getting from you is you're saying, forget about fasting, just eat when your body says you need energy or need food. Is that correct? Yeah. And if that's the case, how do I know? It's, it's Hunger pains in the belly or that is that false? No, that's one of them. Absolutely. Okay. It's a piece of the puzzle. Yeah. You need yeah. to know how to interpret your own body and your hunger signals could be different to mine. Okay. And 
there's at least 10 ways our body can tell us we're hungry and it's learning what yours are. And okay. we can learn a lot from little children. They're really in tune to their appetite and they know when they need some food. And as we get older, a lot of us start to not listen to that and then they forget what the body cues are that they've been, that the, how their body talks to them, I guess, in that space. So grumbling stomach, absolutely, would be one of them. Other basic ones, what would they yeah, be? Yeah, thoughts on food, being distracted, trying to do what you're doing, but you keep thinking of food. Yeah. Even just salivating. Yep. Uh, getting a bit irritated or yep. low in energy are common ones. Feeling like you're thirsty. There's um, the shakes. A lot of people get the shakes, oh, but they didn't get the stomach cue. And the body is a fascinating thing that I see this a lot, that when the stomach hunger has been ignored for so long, it diminishes in its strength and yep. other ways of the body telling you it's hungry yes. they rise to the forefront okay and i, I recognize some of those now you say that i recognize some of those they, yeah. I, I experience some of those it's really interesting yeah it's been a great chat thank you so much okay. uh, final question is is it okay that i brought you a box of chocolates as a thank you when you're a dietitian is Love that it. A, is Love that okay it. <laughs> sure it's okay uh, my preface is there is no bad food. <laughs> okay. no bad foods at all love my chocolate at red wine i'll appreciate those very much okay and also you are my first guest to receive a limited edition um brand new intensely inquisitive mug okay so you oh, how exciting so you're getting a box of chocolates <laughs> and an intensely inquisitive mug with a chocolate and some baileys in it so thank you so much for your time it's you're been welcome. amazing i really appreciate it no worries thanks so much for having me my guest was vanessa drew a sports dietitian at discover health eltham so what have we learnt? A therapeutic diet is an individually formulated plan prescribed by a qualified, accredited healthcare professional based on scientific evidence-based research. A fad diet is not. A fad diet promises to aid weight loss through the application of a generalised plan with little to no evidence-based research to support it. A fad diet is sexy. A therapeutic diet is not. So if you feel like there's a specific health issue you would like to address, rather than being seduced by slick marketing and unrealistic expectations, why not utilize the services of a qualified accredited dietitian or a healthcare professional who will tailor a plan specific to your individual needs? Now regarding fasting and the proposed study that would use teenagers with genuine individual weight issues as guinea pigs for the greater good. I, like many people, have real concerns about this. I don't believe it's ethically sound to subject children to what is, in effect, a fad diet, to restrict their diet and essentially starve them for 12 months when history shows such studies have failed and caused harm to the subjects. Evidence shows dieting is a major predictor of developing an eating disorder. And there's research that found kids who severely restrict their energy intake and skip meals are 18 times more likely to develop an eating disorder than those who do not diet. There's also a general acknowledgement that previous fasting diet studies have not produced long-term weight loss results. I personally don't believe that putting children at risk of developing a potential eating disorder or a mental illness or other conditions is worth the potential of them losing weight. Certainly given the research shows, it won't be a long-term fix. So what do you think? Why not have a conversation about it with someone now? Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Intensely Inquisitive. My hope is that it's empowered you in some way through learning new things, inspiring you to learn more, or simply sparking interesting, deeper conversations. I can't wait to continue this conversation with you, so feel free to like the Orion Kelly page on Facebook 
And if there's a topic or question you'd like me to explore in an upcoming episode of Intensely Inquisitive, please message me or post it on the Orion Kelly Facebook page. Until next time, keep asking questions. Thanks for listening to Intensely Inquisitive with Orion Kelly. For more episodes and to stay up to date, like the Orion Kelly page on Facebook.